Tyler, is this recording? Yeah, What? Okay. So uh, we're going to continue now with uh, part two of cutaneous manifestation of infectious diseases. <clears throat> and uh, we we're discussing uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease, which I mentioned is a, due to Coxsackie and echoviruses. It goes around usually in the um, late summer, early fall. And when it happens, it's usually epidemics among children. So during this time period, you see, you see quite a few cases. Uh, sometime in our area, since it's more of a warm climate all the time, you could see it any season, but it's still more commonly seen in the late, late summer, early fall. Uh, in kids that are usually preschool, like not elementary school so much as like two to five years old, so they present with a high fever. They could be running around the ED with it. They usually have uncomfortable mouth because they have the painful ulcers. Uh, the, you know, the temp and they usually will eventually, the mother says they won't eat. Eventually they'll eat when they get hungry enough, so you don't need to like, admit them for dehydration. Uh, and then sometimes their parents will get it too. So here we have a high school wrestler who comes in with a painful, um, painful rash. <clears throat> it's nowhere else on his body. You can see it's bilateral. Okay, he's had this for about a week and it's progressing. So if you look very carefully, closely at this, you'd see there these are vesicles. So it's vesicular. So there's only a few diseases that are vesicular, right? So it's probably one of those common ones, right? Even though it doesn't appearance. So, and it's. It's not a dermatomal distribution. It's going through several dermatomes here and it's over on this other side. So it's not going to be something coming out the nerves like recurrent herpes simplex or zoster, right? Although it's, it could be one of those, but it's not coming out through the nerves to cause that. Okay, so what do you think this is? This is herpes simplex. And this is described in high school wrestlers and has a certain name. Anybody know? <laughs> what? Herpes gladiatorum. Yeah, it came from the, uh, maybe the gladiators had it or something. I don't know, but. So it's called, so wrestling, there's a lot of close skin contact with abrasions occurring. So probably another person had the herpes uh, and it caused, a, it went through abraded skin. Now it's most common though in the face if this wrestler has atopic eczema he's using steroids. That could be the case, okay? but you don't have to. And sometimes it's on some other part of the body. Okay? So what the other one is, eczema I'm gonna, No, not quite, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. This is similar. This is eczema herpeticum. So this guy was in our ER and presented me as though it must be disseminated zoster or something, right? So he's had this about a week. He started around his lip, and it's painful. He's not febrile. There's no systemic symptoms. He's pretty healthy, and he didn't volunteer anything else until we asked him, oh, do you steroid during the skin? Oh, yeah, I've been using steroid creams because I have eczema sometimes. So this is herpes, again, herpes simplex. It recurred in his oral labial, and it spread to the damaged skin. So there, what's different about zoster, it's not zoster, is that these vesicles are small and the same size. They cross dermatomes, and they're on both sides. So this is called eczema herpeticum. And I've seen 
several, I probably see about one case a year on my shifts for this. And if I wasn't there, they'd probably be misdiagnosed. But they'd probably get better anyway. They probably get, unless it's one of you guys who's seen this, they get better anyway. So if you misdiagnose it, it usually goes away anyway. But they probably respond to, uh, they probably respond to a cyclovir. So usually I discharge. They stop the, uh, stop the uh, steroids for now on your face. And um, take some acyclovir or something like that for about 10 days, okay? No different from herpes, It's really similar, except they're not a wrestler. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay, so <clears throat> here's another patient. This is a, a man who's healthy. He's a middle-aged, he's like 35. Um, and he actually was admitted. He actually got admitted for this. So. Uh, He's had, he presents with low-grade fevers, uh, low-grade fevers, um, coughing, mild coughing. He's not, his vital signs are normal, though. And he has a rash on his body, which started about the same day as the low-grade fevers. He felt a little achy, a little throat pain, not too ill-appearing. Um, and his vitals are normal. This is about the third day. He said it started around his face and his upper chest, and it spread slowly. Now it's getting on the palms and soles after three days. He got admitted for some reason, but what do you think this is? This is his back. This is actually another patient's back, but it could be dissimilar. Uh, you see vesicles. They're actually in different stages of development in the same area. So what is this? This is chickenpox, primary chickenpox. So. This is a middle-aged uh, adult, and so uh, why is chickenpox dangerous to get when you're not a child, even if you're a healthy adult? There's a high rate of pneumonia, which can kill you, okay? So he got admitted for varicella pneumonia, but he probably didn't need to be hurt. I think it was a misread chest x-ray, but um, he was coughing and got admitted for a cyclovir. And he, I think I saw him as a consultant once. He probably shouldn't have been admitted, but um, so I'll talk about varicella. So varicella is a systemic infection, and only when you haven't had chickenpox before the vaccine. Um, so it causes a vesicular rash. It starts on the face and upper neck, maybe, and then gradually over days it spreads. Usually within a day or two, the rest of the body. It stays mainly in the central part of the body. So if you have lots of lesions on the central part, you can have a few lesions on the extremities, but they're not primarily on the extremities. So if you see a vesicular rash, though, like this, this pattern in which it's mainly on the extremities, it's not chickenpox, okay? That could be something rare. So um, adults who have chickenpox who are healthy, who aren't coughing, who have normal vitals, can be discharged with acyclovir. They should all get it. If they're coughing or have tachypnea, they should get a chest x-ray. If it's totally normal by a competent radiologist, they could go home on acyclovir. And that's a common scenario. They're coughing and they don't have pneumonia. If they have an infiltrate, they should be admitted for IV acyclovir because they can die of varicella pneumonia. Uh, it's possible that if they took high-dose oral acyclovir right away, they'd be okay, but you never show the reliability of that. They need the high dose, remember, because herpes simplex and varicella are treated with different doses of acyclovir. You need like five times as much, four times as much for zoster varicella virus as herpes simplex. Now, what if this patient comes in? Uh, we had a patient like this before, a Filipino immigrant 
adult male who was a UCI asthma patient on frequent steroids, not all the time, but he gets prednisone every couple months for like 10 days, frequent UCI patient. I mentioned Filipino adult. Um, varicella is a disease of temperate climates. So patients who are born and raised in the tropics usually don't get it until they come to a temperate climate and get it from some kid. They get chicken pox as an adult. And so that, that you often see it in American immigrants who grew up in a, uh, like Thailand, probably doesn't have that much chicken pox in adults. It, it doesn't, see? It, it doesn't occur too often there. Uh, so when those, an immigrant from the Philippines or Thailand comes to the United States, as an adult, they get exposed to a child here, they get chicken pox, they're more likely to get it. But they're more, not more likely to have complications. But this guy we saw was on steroids. And uh, this patient was, had pneumonia, not this one, but another one. He was discharged home on a cyclovir. And I think he filled it. He came back two days later with respiratory failure and died in the ICU of varicella pneumonia. So uh, the clue is if you see an adult with varicella who's immunosuppressed on steroids, like for lupus or something else, or asthma, they should really be admitted and get IV acyclovir, okay? So here we have a patient, I took this in our ER, 10-day-old baby, born at term at UCI. He uh, comes in with, he's, his mother says he's cranky, but he's still drinking, he's not vomiting, he's sort of irritable, and he has this fascicular rash all over his body for three days. It started gradually around the face and trunk, and it spread all over. When you look at him, he's alert. He's a little irritable, but he's consolable. His vitals are good. He's, uh, I think, a febrile or mildly febrile. So these are vesicles all over his body. But you'll notice, look at the vesicles, look at the sizes, they're different sizes. That's not herpes simplex. Herpes simplex are all the same size and all small. When I show you pictures of zoster, you'll see how you can tell zoster from simplex by looking at the vesicles. The different sizes occur. Turns out this patient has varicella, chicken pox, and how did he get it? The incubation period is 20 days. And he was only born 10 days earlier. Okay? His mom got it, and she was a UCI OB patient. So um, this child's mother developed chickenpox uh, right before delivery, probably a week before. And she had it in the hospital during delivery. And so normally when a child's born from a mother that's had chickenpox, uh, who has had it more than 10 days, less than 10 days before delivery, they would treat the child with a cyclovir. In the hospital, they usually do fine. But if the mother had it more than 10 days before, and it's a healthy mother and baby, the mother gets antibodies right away, and there's no reason to treat the baby. They don't get varicella. Uh, or if they get it, it's a regular chickenpox. So this patient actually uh, was the case that should have gotten varus should have gotten a cyclovir, but they forgot on OB and pediatrics. So he did really well, though. So um, I admitted him to pediatrics, and I told the uh, pediatric ID attending I would recommend treating him with IV acyclovir. She elected to watch him, and he did really well. So he had uh, was proven to have varicella, and you know she was right. But I acyclovir is so benign. I think he should have gotten them in the hospital. So remember, look at these lesions of different sizes. They're vesicles. 
vesicle pustules. That's typical of zoster or varicella virus. Okay? <clears throat> That's the same uh, child. Taken, I took this in room 19, a different name then, room D or something, but room 19. Okay? Um, so this is typical of chicken pox. The rash starts the same day you get sick, but you're not too sick. Uh, you're, you're walking around. The rash starts around the face or upper chest, and it may progress in a few days to the, pro to the distal extremities, but it's always more profound on the central parts of the body. Okay? Now, what's this? Chicken pox or smallpox? One is one, and what's the other? Is this smallpox or chickenpox? Smallpox. Smallpox. That's chickenpox. You really don't need to know this because um, there are not going to be more smallpox cases, <laughs> right, Christy? Yeah, it could be on your boards because it was a, the scare of bioterrorism. I really don't think there are going to be any more cases, but um, there really weren't any when we had the bioterrorism. So I don't think you really know that. It wouldn't be on the boards, would it? It depends on the topic Okay. So I'm not going to go into it. How do you tell the difference between the rash of one and the other? What? Stages? Yeah, so in um, chicken pox, there are different stages in the same area. It's hard to tell in this kid. In smallpox, you're at the same stage. In smallpox, they're deeper. They're more nodular vesicles. They're bigger. The same stage, the, kid, uh, the people look sicker, and they uh, get more on the palms and soles that are big, too. Is that the main difference? Oh, that's right. But the other direction. See, I don't even need to know that. <laughs> I'm never going to see smallpox anymore. One reason you need to know this is because if there is some kind of scare or pipe or something, if somebody else thinks it's smallpox, you can close down your entire hospital. So if you know it's not smallpox, but you say, oh, it's lesions are in different stages and they started you know, on the upper part of the body and the mm -hmm. trunk and went out, then you can tell them it's not smallpox and save the day. Yeah. There's been cases of that where people have actually closed down the hospital because they thought it was smallpox, but it wasn't. But there's another thing you might see that looks very similar to smallpox and has a lot of the same features. Monkeypox. There you go. There have been some small outbreaks of monkeypox. Yeah, I think it eventually in these several hours of cutaneous meditation lecture, I have some pictures of Americans who got monkeypox from, not from the monkeys. <laughs> So. <laughs> so what are they, what animal, what pet, exotic pet, would you get in the history that would you need to think of monkeypox? Giant Gambian rats. Oh, yeah. Giant rats. Yeah, people, um, people get, have, they import African rats to be their pets in their house. And they get monkeypox, even though they're not a monkey, and then all, then they give it to their, it's been reported in the United States. Okay. Okay, I'm almost done with vesicles. So let me just go on for like three minutes and then I'll stop here. So here we have a man who comes in the ED with this painful rash, a lot of crusting. It's going on about a week. It's pretty painful. He's healthy. It's only on this one side of his body. What do you think about that? His ears all swollen up too. These are vesicles or vesicle pustules. They're different sizes. So it's probably not herpes simplex, which are often very small ones, all the same size. 
This would be, this is zoster. And you might consider he has a secondary infection, but he turned out he didn't. So you can get pus coming out of some of these things, even with the absence of bacterial infection. Plus, even soft tissue swelling of the earlobe can be purely just zoster. If you're not sure, you could always give him Keflex or something. But <clears throat> you'd probably want to always do what for this? What diagnostic tests would you want to do in the ED for this patient? What? HIV test? Did I hear that? Right. He's a male. You just heard that other lecture, right? So the first manifestation of AIDS could be zoster. It occurs when your CD4 count is like low, but it's still high enough, like 200 to 500. Okay. Right? So, um, so he would have had HIV for like 8 or 10 years. It takes a long time, incubation period. So if you ask about risk factors, you ask, what were you doing like 10 years ago, not what were you doing last week, okay? So you'd probably give him a cyclovir to go home, but high dose. So it's 800 milligrams five times a day or another drug less common. Yes? What about a young, healthy, you know, female to come in with? Male? Male or female. Do you still get concerned about the bone? Uh, no. Uh, at one time it was thought that a young, healthy adult who presents with zoster, you need to do a lymphoma, you need to do a cancer workup because there's an occult cancer. It's because if you look at patients diagnosed as lymphoma and then look back, they might say they had herpes zoster like a year before. But if you look at zoster patients prospectively, they never get lymphoma. And so it's felt now you don't need it. Okay, that's the old days when he was in med school. It was common. He said, you need a lymphoma workup when they have zoster. That's because when you ask lymphoma patients, they said, oh, yeah, they think they had zoster a year before. But if you look at zoster patients and follow them for like 20 years, they don't get lymphoma. It's like a rare thing, okay? Here's another patient with zoster, a young male, so you want an HIV test. Look at the vesicles. They're different sizes. Now, you can get herpes simplex in the same distribution. Rarely, they'd probably be all these tiny little things. They probably wouldn't be as many, Okay? This is zoster in a uh, patient with leukemia, and he has low platelets, so he's bled into the vesicles. It's hemorrhagic zoster. But you already know he has lymphoma or some, he's, he has, he's on chemo or something. So he looks pretty sick, so you'd probably want to, and he's spreading out of the dermatome. So it's becoming cutaneous spread. It's rarely systemic outside the skin, but you'd probably admit him for a cyclovir. But you notice, what you notice here is that the different sizes that's typical of zoster, not herpes simplex. They're large. And one of the last few patients I'll show, this, I picked this in the eye room, room 2033, about one or two years ago. A, a patient who is immunocompromised for some reason. I think she's on steroids for something, orally. Uh, she presented with pain over her V1 distribution, then the next day got a rash. There's like these spots here. You can't quite tell it's vesicles, but this is zoster of the V1 distribution. Again, zoster. Do you expect her to get vesicles eventually? Uh, yeah, probably in a day or two. But sometimes it's misdiagnosed as cellulitis because it looks like a red area. And if you wait a day or two, there might be some vesicles. Okay? But the typical thing is cellulitis crosses the midline. Why is it suddenly just a line like that? That's not going to be usually cellulitis. It's going to be zoster you've misdiagnosed as cellulitis. If you're not sure, you could treat the people for both. Uh, typical, though, is zoster occurs in the V1 distribution. It's less likely down here, which is more likely to be simplex 
or cellulitis if it's lower on the face. And I got a couple more slides on this uh, patient with zoster again. So what kind of clue, this could be a test question, what kind of clues could there be that it might be involving the globe, which is where it becomes more serious? It's said in the books and the tests that if you have lesions on the tip of the nose, you should watch for involvement of the eye, especially the cornea. <clears throat> that's probably a lie, but I would go for that. I would answer a test question saying that's true. <laughs> What's the name for that again? Zoster uh, ophthalmicus? No, oh, I don't know. Does it have a name? Hutchison's? Oh, I don't know. Okay. It's the nasociliary nerve. Right, okay. So remember that, that for a test, remember for a test that you need an ophthalmologist right away. But don't believe it's really true, okay? Uh, but you should still probably have them see an ophthalmologist within, by the next business day or within 24 hours. Yeah, you could do it yourself, yeah. And so this patient needs treatment with a cyclovir, but not necessarily admission. You could get your eye consultant in there and they could follow the patient up, okay? And I think I'll stop there. So this is... patient comes in with chest pain. I've seen this happen. People do the whole, you know, put them in CPU or whatever. If you don't get the patients undressed, like this to you, you can miss a zoster patient. Uh, last year we had a patient in the chest pain unit <laughs> that went through three attendings, had a stress test that was negative. The pain was on one side. The patient came back to the ED to see me two days later and a zoster rash at that spot. <laughs> so so it's, it's an acceptable miss if the yeah, rash has not yeah. yet developed. Yeah. But if it's developed, then... Uh, be sure it looks bad that they had the rash that you didn't take off their shirt and look that the rash was there and they're in the chest pain unit. Yeah. And it's usually one to two days of pain and symptoms before the rash. Yeah. Comes okay, I'll stop recording now, okay? So, yeah. How do you clean this off?